Rosalía Steel Cooking, like the Mayas did a thousand years ago. This is where barbecue started. Whole hog barbecue. It's not something he learned from a book. Rodney lived it. That aroma's always in the air. People just pour right in. Family. Friends. Sometimes strangers. Some of them, I'll never see them again. But I'm happy that I've made them happy. That's barbecue. Goddamn right it is! That's food porn! Welcome to Cord Killers, the show that is now about barbecue, but used to be about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Mary. I mean, maybe we could fuse the two. It could be a fusion show where it's like we're, pivoting we're to eating barbecue, barbecue while we're talking yeah. about cutting cords, right? It'll be a smooth transition. Yeah, yeah we'll right? just start eating barbecue constantly during the show and eventually it becomes a barbecue show. See, there we go. And that's why we're joined by Bryce Neshcom Castillo and, hey, and, and we don't have a guest. So, yeah. Uh, so that was a trailer you just heard for Chef, the new Chef's Table spinoff. This is their third, I think, after desserts in France. This is Chef's Table Barbecue. This is, of course, a critically acclaimed food documentary. This is all about uh, chefs who make barbecue across the world. Uh, this spinoff is coming to Netflix September 2nd. Mm, not that far away. No. Uh, do you think they'll ever do a Chef's Table kiss where it's just all about the best Chef's kiss. Oh, I thought you meant like uh, Gene Simmons. Oh, no, no, no. I thought you meant like <laughs> they would make out with each other and then pick like the bachelorette. Oh, right. Okay. And, mm. I think we've now explained why no. Chef's the table Frenching. Is, yeah. Is no. Yeah. I already did a French. <laughs> Frenching. Yeah. Sponsored exactly. by UPS. Let's do our primary target <laughs> then. All right, folks, big topic, big ideas today. Netflix has been working on a live action adaptation of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Now we know this has caused worry because the animated version is so beloved and the only live action adaptation to date, a movie from M. Night Shyamalan, was, to be charitable, received as a disappointment. Now, the hopeful sign, though, had been that the animated series creators, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko were part of the Netflix team until June. DiMartino posted on his blog last week that he can now admit that back in June, both creators left the Netflix team. He wrote, I realized I couldn't control the creative direction of the series, but I could control how I responded. So I chose to leave the project. He goes on to write, and who knows? Netflix's live-action adaptation of Avatar has the potential to be good. It might turn out to be a show many of you end up enjoying. But what I can be certain about is that whatever version ends up on the screen, it will not be what Brian and I had envisioned or intended to make. Now, there are similar situations out there, right? The Watch at BBC, based on the works of Terry Pratchett, that the family, and now that Pratchett has, has, has gone on, uh, the family controls... Uh, has a lot of controversy around it. The family says they're basically disavowing themselves of the watch. Rick Reardon stepped away from the Percy Jackson movies. Alan Moore has disavowed pretty much anything based on a novel by Alan Moore uh, from Watchmen to V for Vendetta. The, but there are successful collaborations out there. Game of Thrones, the early seasons, uh, had George R. R. Martin in the room. The Expanse has... Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, the authors who make up James S.A. Corey in the room. 
So this brings up a, a few questions, Brian. Uh, let's start with, is an adaptation just never going to be a success? And the few times that it is just a weird exception? Um, it depends on who you ask. And it's like, you never, you never, you never get to see your prom date through somebody else's eyes. Right. And, 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 uh, before we begin, because I'm about to say some harsh things, um, the first experience I had with Dune was, uh, 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 David Lynch's Dune, which he later removed his name from, uh, right. thanks to that it led me to the video games, which led me to the book, right? So there are good things that can happen. However, I, I, am, I am fast to admit that that is not the short path that most good things take. Is, is, is that a kind way to put it? That is, that is an extremely generous way to put it. Yeah, which is like, it's not impossible for an adaptation to be good, but it generally isn't. Yeah. Like, can you think of anything that was made better by the creator not being a part of it? Well, and that's, that's the next thing, right? Is it's one thing to say an adaptation, like plenty of adaptations that have the creators involved fail. Sure. Is there an example? <laughs> Including, ironically, Dune, <laughs> which, which Frank Herbert participated in. Yeah. Right, right. So once you lose the original visionaries, let's say the, you know, cause, cause the, the, the I, you know, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko didn't create the, the original source material. Right. But they created the beloved version, the animated version. Uh, so I mean, in that respect, you could say like, well, they did an adaptation themselves. And they were right? really good at it. And yeah. And then somebody who was not them did an adaptation and it was bad and there was a chance they were going to do it and we should be happy there see so the reason you don't have the creators involved usually the reason george r, r. martin and james s a Corey are unusual is usually the creators are experts in a different platform right a writer of a book doesn't understand how tv works that's not a condemnation. It's just, you know, a writer of a book knows how writing a book works. And the I, people I, who make I the TV show more, don't understand how writing a book works. More fairly stated, you would say something like, in general, people who are successful at book writing don't tend to speak the same language as Sure, because obviously writing, there's people right? yeah. like George R. R. Martin and James S. A. Corey who, who are like, both. oh no, we, yeah. we've been around, we know how both works, and that can, that can happen. But if you just are a writer, you probably don't understand how TV works. And that doesn't mean you couldn't. It just means, well, that's not what you do. So can you even have creators attached to adaptations that work? I mean, in DiMartino and Konietzko's case, they obviously know how to make a TV show, right? <laughs> like, that's not the issue. Is there something about live action that maybe they're just not as, you know, well-versed in? It, it, it could be a budgetary thing. It could be a working with Netflix thing, because when I think of Netflix's position now, uh, if I'm Netflix, I acknowledge that I've secured this much of the market. I have this much real estate, and then I figure out how to spend as little as money as possible, right? So, so maybe yeah, yeah. some version of that. Um, me as a fan, part of the reason I'm upset is because I know that that there are two major projects at Netflix that I have been 
championing. Uh, one has been the live action uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. The other has been uh, Cowboy Bebop. And I, 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 I can't divorce in my mind what this one story means for the other, and and that's complicated. I mean, the other thing I want to throw out there is are the is the fact that we never like the adaptations or rarely like the adaptations down to recency bias is it we like the first version of the thing we see and then subsequent versions just never quite hold up i'll say flat out that the first five seasons of game of thrones are superior to the books in every way full stop bar none come at me bro is that an exception though i mean it's rare but 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 that's obviously what was we're hoping so for. Was it so good it overcame your recency bias? Yeah. I mean, it was very, but is that, very so good. So in other words, if you had seen Dune, well, you did see Dune before. I you, did you see saw Dune, Dune before you before, read the books. Yeah. Dune and then later me on, did you say, oh, the books, they're definitely better? Um, I read the books and I'm like, uh, I can understand why people think the books are better. That's about uh -huh. as far as I was able to go. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, because I think that plays a part of it. And and the thing is, not, none of these things on their own are the thing that determines it. What? It, it could it, be it, a little it, bit it, of recency it, bias, it, a little can, bit of Can we step out of something that, 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 that you and I are even familiar with? Like, Bryce, can you think of a thing that, that, that you saw a reinterpretation of it that you loved even more than the original? Hmm. Probably not for a re-adaptation, because I think that's one of the weird things here is that this isn't just an adaptation, but it's a re-adaptation or it's in the same genre as the original, right? It's not just a film taking on an animated series, but now it's a live action series taking on this, taking on an original series. Um, in in general, I don't think I have seen a re-adaptation that's better. Like the most recent one I can think of which was not very good was like the Netflix version of death note, which was they, they made a lot of changes to it. And I res I respect like trying to tell the story if, in a if, different way, if I were, but also it wasn't, I just don't think it was as let, good because let, of the format. Let me juggle some stuff and just throw it out and see what yeah, sticks yeah, against yeah. the wall. I'm going to guess that I think I would like preacher, uh, as video more than as the comic book. Uh, I think the same thing for uh, Infinity War, I, if, I, if I were to guess, because, you know, a 22, you know, multi-billion dollar franchise, I, I'm, I'm going to guess, nailed the story in a tighter way than comics did. Um, outside of that, I don't have much. Uh, eight I, you know, in the chat says Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man is constantly being ad adapted and good and bad. It's it's kind of uh, it starts to not be as much of a comparison with Marvel though because they have reinvented these storylines so many times just within the comics themselves right so it starts to become something where we've gotten used to like oh well it'll it'll be Miles Morales this time right it, 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 it we've gotten used to reboots and changes and alternate universes so I'm I'm not sure once you get into those sprawling DC and Marvel universes whether the adaptation argument is as applicable to these like closer ones like avatar. Yeah. Gauchum, uh, points out that like Batman too, like, I mean, I would say that the, the Nolan Batman trilogy is objectively better than any other version of Batman that came before it with the exception of maybe the dark Knight. you know, Again, Frank Miller. 
you're you're adapting in a universe that's been adapted so yeah. often. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure how that affects that. Um, one one that I'll throw out there is The Walking Dead. I read the comics before the TV show. I then adored the early seasons of the TV show because I thought it was doing a good job of representing the comic. In fact, I liked some of it better than people who hadn't read the comic. And then later on, I sincerely loved the comic much better than the TV show. So I kind of went through all phases there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, where does that put us? Uh, because I, 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 first of all, none of us know where anything is headed. We all just have vague feelings. My sure. feelings are, um, I had high hopes for this project. Sounds like they're not going to go the way I wanted. And those dashed hopes. Well, it's not going to go the way the creators wanted. Sure. Yeah. Or, or, or me. Right. Uh, but, but it definitely affects my, my confidence in other projects like the Cowboy Bebop movie, you know? And so I, I, I feel just kind of confused and mixed up right now. Yeah, I try not to let this kind of thing affect like, oh, well, it's Netflix and therefore Netflix won't be good at Cowboy Bebop because you're dealing with different teams and the folks at Cowboy Bebop may be much better able to navigate the interpersonal relationships of of compromise and vision uh, than DiMartino and Konietzko did. Uh, that may not be it. It may be that the people that Konietzko and DiMartino were working with were uncompromising and the people working with Bebop might be, right? And, You're dealing but, with and, and, lot, lots of different individuals. So I, I don't like to jump to the conclusion that, oh, it's a corporate culture and therefore everything will be bad. Uh, keep in mind also, I think part of my confidence was overconfidence because uh, I, I don't know if it was both of them or just one of them that was doing the uh, uh, the full drawn reboot on uh, uh, Netflix, which I enjoyed very, yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. Um, so... <sighs> There, there, there's part of me that wants to hold on to this narrative of this is the team that has the magic and it doesn't matter where they go. It's they're magical all the time. And finally, right, this right. will be the live action magic that we've wanted. I, I think the way I, I'm approaching Avatar The Last Airbender to just focus it back in is this was, you know, they're doing an adaptation. OK, uh, number goes way down because adaptations are hard. But they're bringing in the series creators, which, and they have experience at TV. So, ooh, goes goes back up above fifty percent. Not just TV, uh, but at Netflix. At ne- yeah, uh, Netflix, a small multiplier there. I, I wouldn't give it too much, but yeah, okay. At Netflix, they have a little more freedom, right? They're not going to get dissed because they have to fit a, a broadcast format or something, right? Sure. Uh, but then D. Martino and Kenyetsko leave, pff, goes down below fifty percent for me now. Cause I'm like, okay, now it's a harder difficulty level for them. It never reaches zero. I'm not willing to say like, well, this is definitely going to be bad now because there's plenty of chances for it to be good. D Martino and himself said it in his blog post. Like this may end up being great. You may love it. It's just not what I would have done. You know what? And uh, as, as, as a good counterpoint to that, uh, I really like, I would say out of everything since the original trilogy, I like solo the most. I mean, it's the simplest, most close to the expanded universe story that I've seen. And and that was a case where, where you know, the folks who did the Lego movie were uh, Lord and Miller were kicked off so that they can bring us other gifts like uh, 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 Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's the other part, right? It's like there's the percentage chance that they can make this good. Then there's all of our differing versions of good. 
you know, and, and what, what our expectations are, whether we've really enjoyed Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated series or not. But, you know, I'm, most people have, but by how much? What are our expectations? So I don't know. Just thought it was interesting that to bring it all back to cord cutting, right? We're seeing another level of maturity here, which is just because it's a streaming service that doesn't play by the same rules doesn't mean they can escape all the consequences. Yeah, but as a fan, I want to be pouty. So, <laughs> but, and this yeah, is a this is a strong right about ba- about face for you, Brian, right? Because I mean, it, it was on the show that you're like, hey, adaptations are at worst something you can ignore. Yeah. Well, well, and and um, uh, to clarify, what I'm really saying is, well, now I'm back to being scared, and that that yeah. that, that that's as far back as I can retreat. Is- and I think that's reasonable, given the fact that like, oh, they they had all these good things going for it. Now they have two fewer good things going for it. You know, that uh, that increases the difficulty level quite a bit. Mm. Yeah. Let us know what you think, cordkillers at gmail.com, or get a direct line right to us, Patreon.com/slash/cordkillers. Heck yeah, dude. That's how you can support us. Keep us loud, live, and independent. For just $1 an episode, you can make us the independent voice. That's all about how to watch what you want, when you want, on whatever dang device you please, giving you honest, raw opinions. Nobody else in the entire planet does that. Everyone who says they do is a liar. Except us. That's right. That's right. Only trust us. Proves that they're not. We are the original creators of this show. Yes. And we are executing its vision every day. The only people who tell you the truth. Patreon.com slash cord killers. Question mark truth. Hashtag. Let's talk about how to watch. <laughs> a question mark is just the wild card that means it'll still go to the same place. I wasn't trying to question the truth. Hey, uh, four cities in Indiana filed a lawsuit August 4th against Netflix, Disney, Hulu, DirecTV, and Dish Network. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, the cities are Indianapolis, Evansville, Valparaiso, and Fishers, Indiana. I've been to three of the four cities. Uh, all believe that the companies violated Indiana state law because they did not pay the cable franchise fee of 5% gross revenue per city. In Indiana, if you operate a cable business, you have to pay 5% of your gross revenue within a city, so just the revenue you make off the people in that city, to the city as your franchise fee. Now, the law applies to companies that transmit video programming, quote, through facilities located at least in part in a public right of way. That is a quote from the law. Thank you, John Broadkin at Ars Technica uh, for publishing that. The cities are arguing that since these services, Netflix, Disney, Hulu, even DirecTV and Dish Network, because they have apps, run on the internet, and the internet is delivered in these cities using public rights of way that the law should apply to Netflix, Disney, Hulu, DirecTV, and Dish Network. Um, uh, and therefore, they should be giving 5% of the gross of what they make off cities, uh, people in these cities to the cities. I, However, internet service is not subject to the fee. Like if you run the internet in these cities, you're not subject to the fee uh, because it's not a cable operator. A similar case is actually happening in Creevecore, Missouri, uh, pending in circuit court. But yes, yes, Brian, what do you think? I mean, I hate everything about this law. I hate what it's trying to do. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be very good at disputing it because 
at the end of, of the day, if you, if you believe that the government owns the airwaves, if you believe that the government owns the cable lines, if you believe, if you, you know, and so on, um, I mean, looks an awful lot like uh, they, they should get their 5%. And, and this is coming from an anarcho libertarian. I, I, I don't, <laughs> uh, but okay. So this is why you have judges because on the one hand, you're right. Hey, they're transmitting a video service. It's over cables, even for wireless, even, even for your and, 5G, and, and even right? If, even if to be like at, at most generous, you could say, uh, but there's nobody using this frequency. And then the government gets to say, yes, you're welcome. We've kept this frequency cleared so that you can use it. It doesn't so even, don't even have to go there. The, the broad, the transmissions are happening from poles that are public right of way. Sure. But even then a judge might say like, well, we're not going to count wireless. Uh, cause that's not really what this law pertains to, but if it's going through a cable in the ground on cable internet, then it is going over cables in public right away. But the law also doesn't apply to internet. It doesn't apply to those cables carrying internet. So your defense is going to be like, well, wait a minute. If you're not charging the company that operates the cable, a 5% fee, because they're delivering the bits. Why are you charging the thing inside? That would be like charging NBC the 5%, not Comcast. I would guess that the only defense would be to say, similar to uh, like, a, like a game card, it says this has no value. Um, they would have to publicly say the content that we're transmitting has no value. And they won't but, do but, that. And but if, no, if they, no, 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 good. That doesn't address my argument, man. Like, do does Comcast do do the do the cities go to NBC, ABC, CBS, and say you're delivering content through cable lines operated by Comcast in our city? Therefore, you owe us five percent of what you make off people in our city. No, they don't. Isn't isn't the internet service the same thing? Yeah, it's it's tough because. Obviously, laws differ state by state. I know here in Texas, I do have to pay franchise tax over a certain amount because I provide, uh, quote unquote, something of value. And I, I'm, I'm not inclined to say that what is being transmitted has no value. So, so I feel a bit pinned in on both sides. I, I, well, but, I, I am I mean, not there's... a lawyer, so... Right. I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's like, we're talking about this specific Indiana state law. Yeah. Uh, and that says uh, different things than, than what other laws say in other places. Right. Um, and so other situations, like, like we've talked before about the city of Chicago passing a law that says, Hey, uh, we're going to write a law that makes it so that Netflix has to pay a tax. Uh, that's, that's a different situation. What these cities are doing is saying, we don't want to pass a new law. Uh, we want to use the existing law. And the, the question is, is that existing law uh, applicable here? John Brodkin has a very good write-up of this over at Ars Technica. Uh, he says that most legal experts look at this and they just don't think it's going to pass muster in, in Indiana. But even if it did, the companies involved, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, uh, et cetera, will probably appeal it federally, at which point federal law can preempt the state law and federal law very clearly 
does not apply here because it, it's more well-defined on what constitutes a cable TV service. And I have no doubt that uh, uh, that they have the money to kick it up to the feds and the, they have the contacts at the federal level to make this, you know, slap this down. But I'm, I'm really, really curious, what is the simplest version of their message that almost will ring true to a common man's ears? Uh, and and that's that's what I'm chasing down right now. Like what, what should Netflix be saying to the citizens of Evansville, Indiana to get them on their side? Yeah, or, no, no, no. Or, or what should the legislators be saying? Like, 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 Hey man, this is, this is commerce. I mean, I'm sorry. You may not want to call uh green acres of a, a, a content the, the, of value. When you said legislators, you mean the cities? Yes. Yes. The, what the what the city should be saying to get the, the citizens of Evansville on their side is the reason we're suing Netflix. Yes. Is because is because sorry, this has value. We know it has value because you're paying for it, because you're watching it, because you keep watching it. Clearly, right. you well, can't and, tell me this is just noise. And so, they're using your pipes. They're using your pipes. Right. And so uh you've got to pay. God, I hate being in I hate being my own devil's advocate. The uh, uh the 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 two things I'll say to that is one, everyone knows the real reason for this suit is that the franchise tax fee is going down because fewer people are subscribing to cable, right? These cities are like, oh crap, we're losing money that we used to get in the city coffers at a time when we need money. Uh, so everybody kind of knows like, okay, that's why. And then the second thing I would say is great. Just because something has value doesn't mean the law gives you the right to tax it, right? The right. law has to say you have the right to tax it. And I'm pretty sure this law doesn't say that. I agree. Now, uh, okay, now we're on the same side again. I I, I agree with where, where you're going. I, 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 oof. I, I mean, you could say the city has has the right to, to tax the pipes because they maintain the right of way. None of that applies here because we're not saying should the city have a law that collects money from Netflix? Sure, maybe they should. Why not? It could be right. What we're saying is, does this law written in the 80s in Indiana apply to Netflix? And I'm, I'm pretty sure it does. Sure. And, 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 and I'm trying to be even more generous by saying, even if it doesn't involve wires or right of ways, even if it's just like uh, they're transmitting it. Um, the city could say, hey, man, who do you think keeps those bandwidths open? It's us, you know, like like we provide. Sure, that service. sure. But that would be a justification. In my opinion, that's a justification for a new law. Right. Sure. That's a justification to say, hey, we're spending money keeping these things open. We should tax the people using them, not saying like, hey, we have this other law doesn't really apply to them. But let's see if we can convince a judge it does. Yeah, but we see that. I mean. An oh, awful sure. Lot. I mean, it's, it it's right. not unusual. I'm right? not saying that, that they're going to win. Though. I, I believe it's the Tom Jones statute of 1976. It's not unusual to take a law and turn it on something else. Sure. But the question is, will they be able to successfully do that? Oh, no, I don't think they will. And I don't think they win in a moral argument by saying, let's take a law clearly written for cable television and try to apply it to the Internet and raise your prices to boot. Right. Uh which I think that's the other thing here is they know that this will potentially cause a price rise in the services. So they, they don't think they can get the momentum to get a new law passed because of that. So there's all those practicalities. And, and to, uh, to be clear, anybody who's new to the program, this is me and Tom doing our very, very best to create a steel man argument for something we do not believe in. Like neither of us like anything about this. We're just doing yeah, our very, be very easy best. To, the straw man is, I mean, I got a basement yeah, yeah, yeah. full of them, right? Uh, anybody can do that. 
All right. Uh, here's another one for you. Google search results for sports TV broadcasts will now show what channels carry a team's game as well as where to watch a live game on TV or streaming. The TV info will start showing up first for NBA and Major League Baseball games with other leagues and streaming options to be added over time. Also, when searching for what to watch, Google will now show carousels of recommendations for what's on TV right at the moment when you're doing your search, what's coming up later related to your search, and recommended TV shows and movies uh, that are on live TV elsewhere. Uh you know what? I love this. And in fact, there's a, a, a new app. I'm not being paid now, but we might take them on as a sponsor for some other projects. But there's something called Ground News. Are you familiar with this? No. That, that basically it um, uh, uh, a story erupts and it keeps track of where it came out, in what order, and where on the political spectrum that particular story is most popular so you can read the far right version of it and the far left version of it um so 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 i would say that that any step that google can take to join this club i think would be good that sounds like a different thing though this isn't about political spectrum at all this is hey you want recommendations for something to watch we can tell you what's on right now well yeah like like just watch obviously like we don't know when you go to just watch uh, and you type in the thing who they're being paid for or or why or what way they're going to guide you one way or the other. Um, uh, if Google gets in, into that game, I would like to believe that Google would uh, disclose as much as they could uh, is basically all I, I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, and with the sports things, I think it's a good start to say like, hey, I want to watch the Cardinals game and have it tell me, what channel it's on. My problem with that is most people probably already know, right? If you watch your regular sports team on channel, you know, Fox Sports Midwest, for instance, you probably know that it's on Fox Sports Midwest. What you probably want to know is what streaming services carry that channel so that I can subscribe to those. Uh, and they don't have that as part of this yet, but, 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 know, but, first, but they will get things. some amount of money based on whether they're guided to one, two or three of those. Not necessarily. No. In right. fact, they got rid of that in shopping. Uh, mm -hmm. Google changed their Google shopping search so that they are not uh, only showing uh, results for people they, they get paid for. And Google search itself very clearly delineates advertising supported uh, links from other links. So this, this is not paid, paid search, placement. This is trying to just see what's on the internet and provide that information. Okay. At least that's how Google works now. They, they could always change that. Uh, real quickly, I just wanted to mention uh, to folks that I uh, paid for two months of Sling TV in order to get a free Air TV Mini, which of course wasn't free because I had to pay for two months of Sling TV, uh, but it ends up being cheaper than buying the Air TV Mini, uh, and it was a way for me to try out the Air TV Mini. The Air TV Mini is an odd duck, and the reason I wanted to try it is the Air TV Mini doesn't have an air an over-the-air antenna input for it. So the original Air TV, the idea was you'd put your antenna into it, and then Sling TV would add your over-the-air channels to the Sling TV grid and it'd all be in one place and it ran on Android TV so you could have Netflix, et cetera. This is, the Air TV Mini just takes out the air. So I guess it's just TV Mini. Um, we'll see how that works. I'll let you know. So far, 
this so far, my this first impression is a, a trailer for, for coming soon on Cord Killers. Tom's <laughs> Disappointment. Opinion of, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no AT&T TV now, which is my current live streaming uh, service of choice. Uh, for Android, so that's not on there. But of course, Sling didn't care because they've got Sling. Uh, and otherwise, it just seems to work like an Android TV. So eh, it's all right. Let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, of course, was a comedy in the '90s. An, a short film was created by Morgan Cooper. Uh, that sort of reimagined it as a drama saying like, hey, what if this kid from Pennsylvania has to move to Bel Air? What kinds of uh, opposition would he face? What kind of cultural problems would he face? What kind of trouble did he have to get into in, in Philadelphia to have that happen? Will Smith loved that. And uh, he and Jada Pinkett Smith's Westbrook Studios have teamed up with Universal Television and they're pitching the idea of a dramatic telling called Bel Air uh, and apparently streaming services are falling all over themselves trying to figure out uh, how they can give enough money to get the series. I agree. Karate Kid was great. Sorry, uh, did I misunderstand the question? Uh, yeah, I really, I think you do. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's the Karate Kid. It's, 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 it's somebody who leaves from, uh, sorry, it's mm. New Jersey, not Philadelphia, fish out of water trying to make it up ahead uh, i mean sure karate kid wasn't the first fish out of water moving a you know uh, i this is uh pertinent right now because it's the black experience and it's setting it modern times and saying you know what if uh a troubled youth gets in extra trouble uh and goes from predominantly black neighborhood in pennsylvania to predominantly white neighborhood in california what happens uh i think it's a different take different enough anyway sure sure uh, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, I guess why I was, I wanted to throw this in here was dark reboots, uh, are all the rage. And I immediately wanted to go, Oh, a dark reboot of fresh Prince of Bel Air. Come on. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's a proven, uh, format for sure. Disney is planning to release a Lego Star Wars holiday special November 17th. This will be a light reboot. Uh, the story will be set immediately after the events of Rise of Skywalker. Ray and BB-8 go on a journey through the nine film timeline. Um, This one feels so safe. I mean, I can't see how they'd screw this up. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, uh, this is, you know, uh, the Lego brand seems to have done a good job of being parodical, uh, but uh, without ever crossing the line. They are joyful. They celebrate while being silly. Uh, I mean, all of these seem like if if you're going to dance around the worst, the worst produced thing in the Star Wars universe, can't think of a better way to do it than this. Yeah, it's uh, it's something I think only Lego, the, only the Lego approach can get away with, right? Uh, because you can make fun of the original holiday special uh, in a way that that is, you know, the, the Disney's not going to be upset with, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you, mean, you could certainly do it in a mean way, like we've seen the um, uh, robot chicken crew do. Uh, but 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 to do it in a joyful and celebratory way, which yeah. which I think would be the superior way. I I I, I think Lego's a good match. 
Seth MacFarlane is developing a project for NBC Universal for a limited series based on the novels The Winds of War and War in Remembrance by Herman Woke. Uh, those books were adapted into a TV miniseries in the 80s starring Robert Mitchum, which I adored. In fact, I loved that miniseries so much, I read the books and then decided to take Russian when I went to college uh, because there was Russian in the book and I was just fascinated. Uh, the whole thing with The Winds of War is it tells the story of an American family and a few other families in the events leading up to World War II, what it was like to be in Germany as an American uh, when you were not enemies with Germany, but you know the Nazis had taken over and, and all those attitudes. Um, I don't know, Brian, what do you, is that a story that needs to be retold and is Seth MacFarlane the guy to do it? I think we're only at the beginning of a wave of this kind of thing because like um, uh, we have an entire generation, including yours and mine and everybody younger than us who woke up uh, only hearing World War II described as uh, uh the empire versus the rebellion and and obviously i think there's a lot more nuance than any of us have been informed of and uh and and i want to see those painfully close moments where you could almost understand why somebody would either choose to hide someone in their attic or choose to put on a a, a badass looking uniform you know right yeah uh that's 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 an interesting take on that. I think that's that's something I hadn't even thought of and is dead dead right. Uh that's that that's where this is gonna go. And I think think that's that feels like Seth MacFarlane in his more serious moments. Yeah. Uh, Netflix will offer a filmed version of the Broadway musical Diana, a true musical story. That's the name of the play is Diana, a true musical story. Uh sometime in the first five months of 2021, this will appear on Netflix which will be before the show opens on stage. Now, the musical about Princess Diana had begun staged previews March 2nd, so some people had been able to see it, but the way Broadway works, you do staged previews, and then you have an official opening when you say, okay, now it's for real. Now we, we definitely are ready. And they hadn't got to that stage before they had to shut down uh, for the virus. Uh, the cast is going to perform the musical on stage without an audience for the filming. Um. This on paper sounds insane, but I think it's very smart because, uh, think about it. Um, when you go to a concert, you've probably listened to the album beforehand. And, uh, this is, uh, a, a, a Broadway in general. Um, uh, the, the normal flow is that like you build up buzz by doing it live then the album becomes popular and then people come because of the album or whatever, but to just full on like, no, 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 no. This is the definitive performance of it. Fall in love with it. All right. Are you, have you fallen in love with it? Now, now come it's available here. Yeah. We have a vaccine now yeah. come please. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the gamble here. Right. And this is an interesting way for Netflix to, to step in and save a production that might go under otherwise. Uh, if they can't put on staged performances of it, they they could have to shut it down. I'm, I'm not saying Diana would have to shut down, but uh, they could. Right. If they they go this long without performances, that's something that all of Broadway is facing. So being able to say, OK, this is one we think people will watch on Netflix. We will pay you to make a version. And without the audience could affect the actor's performances perhaps, but I don't think it affects the filming because I saw the Hamilton uh, thing on Disney plus and I never noticed the audience was there, even though they were um, for some of it. Also just put them in there, you know, just, just play, play the clapping and the whatever. Well, I mean, they didn't play any of the clapping in Hamilton because it's distracting 
uh, I don't know. I guess you could. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Peacock is developing a series called Jade City based on the Greenbones saga, a series of novels from author Fonda Lee. The novels are set in a world where certain clans of jade users can channel power through the wearing of jade. And jade is a controlled substance in most of the world, but the city of John Loon tolerates its use by two clans who once cooperated to drive out invaders in a World War II type war and now fight each other for influence in the city. Might be a Vietnam type war. Depends on how you look at it. Uh, basically think wuxia martial arts meets Hong Kong gangster films of the early seventies. I mean, I'm down for all of that. Is, is, is there an obvious, like it's really about blank that, that, that I should pick up on or. Um, no, and at least in the books, this is one of those, it's going to be an adaptation. Let's sure. see. Uh, what's really, really cool about the books is, Sometimes you're like, oh, this is a, an allegory for Vietnam for sure. Oh, wait, no, it's an allegory for North and South Korea. Oh, hold on. This is World War II, China, Taiwan. Wait a minute. Uh, this is Sarajevo, right? Like it's just, uh, she did a very good job of taking pieces of real history that we know and weaving them together in a way that made it feel like a different history that could easily have happened because it's the type of things that did happen uh, in a world where I, the other thing is, you know, people wear jade and, and could do, you know, magical martial arts moves, but also there's TV and cars and, you know, things that are very familiar to us in recent times. So thumbs up. Uh, I'm part of the no peak clan, by the way. I don't Just, know what that means. Yeah, you will when you watch Jade City on Peacock. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what we've been watching in Eyes On. Man, uh, we've been, been, we've, we've been shooting nonstop, right? We got yeah. we got Jason here on campus, so we're shooting every single day. Although I am uh, in my downtimes, I'm uh, finally my daughter got me to uh, listen to the Mistborn uh, series, and I'm enjoying that quite a bit. No, oh, fantastic. Uh, so that's about all I've been doing. What about you? Uh, we we've been uh, we finished. It's okay not to be okay, which still highly recommend amazing amazing show on netflix in korean uh and we started watching dark uh the german show i don't we just want to read our television these days i guess uh dark is a time travel show uh so there's there's a cave there's a nuclear power plant uh, there's some inexplicable events and some missing children uh some of the children are not actually missing uh there's time travel it's one of those shows that you don't want to explain too much about because part of it is just, you know, unraveling the mysteries as you go along. Everything, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's got a, it's got a very like almost it's darker than twin peaks, but it's got a very twin peaks feel. Uh, I mean, this you is realize twin peaks like without the extent the Mark Frost. of darkness I have experienced from twin peaks is discussions about coffee. So so yeah, darker yeah. than Twin uh, Peaks, I'm like, I believe you. <laughs> it's not Twin Peaks: The Return, which is very David Lynch, right? Uh, it's it's a it's a little little less experimental, a little less avant garde uh, than that. Uh, but but it's all shot in you know very dim tones. A lot of it happens in a forest. Uh, lots of wood tones. It's very German, uh, but it's fascinating. And we're already we started it since we last recorded cord killers and are already halfway through season two. So wow. Wow. I hear it's like you. really like, uh, intricate, I guess, with the storytelling. Like I saw someone online had posted, I don't know if it's a Netflix official site or something else, but you plug in what episode you're on and it tells you like all of the things you're supposed to know by that point. Ah, uh, So you don't get spoiled. That's great. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we were joking. We're like, we need a whiteboard because we keep sitting there going like, okay, that's Mikkel. He's Ulrich's son. And Ulrich is whose son again? Like you you have to like keep all that stuff in mind. It is pretty intricate. There, there are movies that that uh like like you vaguely understand i think this is good i just don't understand it uh like a primer is one of them primer like like i watched and i'm like i think that was good and then i read the wikipedia and i was like that was amazing and then <laughs> yeah, you know, right. or 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 uh, donnie darko or, or right 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 uh, upstream yeah. color or whatever dark yeah. dark is very much in in that uh realm uh and the other one we've been watching is train which is another korean show uh, that's the parallel universe one oh, uh, right. where where it's uh, it's about a detective uh, who is trying to solve murders and the murders you think are happening in a parallel universe and the body's getting dumped in our universe and carries on from there. Again, don't want to explain too much uh, or you start to, to do spoilers. So uh, similar shows in a lot of respects. Very interesting. I'm surprised that that story summary is the is before the no spoiler line. <laughs> right. Wow. I mean, that's that's trailer kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. What should we be on the lookout for, Bryce? Hey, we got an email from Troy about a show that I think some or maybe all of us have seen a little bit. Troy writes, hey, team, I've been fascinated with the show Tales from the Loop about the people living in a town in Ohio where the unexplained uh, is a way of life on Amazon Prime. The best way to describe it is Eureka and amazing stories uh, cross-pollinated with the devs feel inside of Twilight Zone bottle episodes. I'm halfway through currently as of this writing and plan to binge the rest this evening. Hope you are all well. Your boss, Troy. Thanks, Troy. Yeah, this is... uh, I thought this was a really interesting sort of anthology series. You mix the small town drama stuff, you mix in the retro futurism stuff, you mix in magical realism, and it puts a lot of interesting twists on what might be kind of standard fare um, story plots, right? Body swapping and time travel and and mysterious uh, silos that have weird echoes. Um, It's kind of slow. It's got some slow spots in it. Uh, but I think there's a lot of really good drama and, and I, you know, it's a good recommendation. It's a thumbs up from me. I know Brian, you watched some of it. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I, I would say going into it, it helps tremendously to know, like, imagine a bunch of concept art and then it being handed to some writers and directors and cinematographers and say, mm-hmm make that make a story with you know it. And, yeah. and and it, which is it, literally how it was it, made. correct it's literally based how off it was of made. paintings uh, yeah. like but but when you own that it's like uh wow guys you you did it <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> I, I, I mean if if, yeah. if 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 you are okay with that being the challenge then it's they do a great job of of pulling that off yeah tom did you see any of uh tales from the loop no no i haven't seen it people have recommended it i've heard Mm. mixed reviews i heard some people said that you know it didn't live up to the hype for them Mm. uh which may be part of the reasons they're long episodes it's it's great if you're playing hearthstone and it's just Ah. on in the background (laughs) all right that's good to know Yeah. yeah and i also didn't finish it this but there's i guess the interesting thing about this being an anthology show is that it does have some serialized elements like stories and characters from an early episode like come back multiple times in other people's stories or you see in the background you know you're like oh my god that's that guy from that thing or like hey this side character in this person's story is now the the protagonist of this story yeah or there are some that are just like 
hey, this is basically a continuation of this previous one. So I have not finished. I think I am two episodes shy of, of it before I, I bounce off. But, I, you know, thumbs up from here. There are eight hour long episodes of Tales from the Loop streaming now on Amazon Prime Video. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, email it to us, please. Cordkillers at gmail.com is the email address. Yeah, I'm just shy of giving my thumbs up for like, give it your full attention for eight hours. Mm. But enthusiastic thumbs up for put it on, have it on in the background while you're doing something. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good, good stuff. Uh, Hey folks, if you want more good stuff, I mean, there's nothing that's better than cord killers, but one of the best things that I've ever done is the new current geek chronicles. It is a dark reimagining of current geek. Actually, no, Uh, it is what would happen if Scott and I actually had people help us make an even better version of current geek. So we dive into researched produced episodes about the origins of the term mana, an outsider's guide to wrestling, why reality TV does need scripts, but they're not the scripts you think. If these sound like interesting topics and you want to get the scoop on them, go subscribe now. The first episode on mana is already there and the whole season is about to kick off. So get in there now, currentgeek.com. Would I be right in understanding, like imagine everything you love about current geek, but polish, 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 like you're listening to Yeah, imagine instead of hearing Tom and Scott talk for five minutes about something, they talked for 20 minutes well-researched. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Go check it out. Also, don't forget, uh, we are powered by Doghouse Systems right here. Uh, If you want a free solid state drive, doghousesystems.com slash V slash Rogue. Each one of you that does this helps release us from doghouse jail. That's right. That's right. We, 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 right now we're all chained up in the doghouse and we want to be able to run free and 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 give you a 500 gigabyte SSD. So head on over yeah. to doghousesystems.com slash B slash rogue, R-O-G-U-E. <laughs> Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Director Martin Scorsese has signed a multi-year deal with Apple TV Plus to produce and direct film and television projects. Reuters reports that Scorsese's next film, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, what's that guy's name? De Niro something? Oh yeah, Robert De Niro, one of the most famous men in Hollywood. Uh, This is called Killers of the Flower Moon. Will not go straight to Apple TV like Greyhound did. It'll go to theaters distributed by Paramount. And then once it's done in theaters, come to Apple TV Plus. God, Greyhound was just great. Uh, Separately, uh, DC Comics uh, Chief Executive Officer Jim Lee says that DC Universe will migrate most of its uh, shows over to HBO Max. Uh, Lee told Hollywood Reporter, quote, truthfully, that's the best platform for the content. DC Universe is not going away, though. Lee says it's simply transforming which maybe means the Transformers are going to come to the DC <laughs> Universe. That must, that's the only and thing. And G.I. Joe. Are there comics mm-hmm. on DC Universe? Yes. DC Universe is one of those weird yes. things where it's like video and other content. And I think you get not full access, but some access to DC digital comics. So it could just transition to be Comic more comics book. focused, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Warner Media is doubling down on commitment to DC, but not so much anime. Variety sources say Warner Media is looking for someone to pay about a billion dollars to take Crunchyroll off its hands. Crunchyroll has about 3 million paying subscribers worldwide and more than 70 million registered users who at least use the free version. That makes sense to me because uh, Crunchyroll is a very narrow, narrow very beloved genre and 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 uh, rolling it in with all of Warner Media. Never really felt like a fit to me. Am, am it, I wrong on that? 
It didn't make sense to me at first. I'm like, wait, you're you're saying the future of your business, AT&T's entire future rests on streaming video and you're getting rid of a lucrative streaming video service. But in the light of the DC Universe stuff, I get what they're saying, which is actually our future is HBO Max. We are going to pour all of our resources into HBO Max and it will be one simple message, get HBO Max. We don't want to have a DC universe that is also seen as a TV streaming service. We don't want to have Crunchyroll. Uh, and so in from that respect, I, I could see where maybe instead of operating Crunchyroll, they'd rather just pay a little to license some stuff from it the way they do with some of the other anime on HBO Max. Netflix's The Crown has cast Elizabeth uh, uh, Debicki as uh, Princess Diana for the final two of seasons. She played uh, the entirely gold uh, Aisha in the Guardians of Galaxy. Oh, no, I know who, I, who we're talking about. Uh, Emma Corrin plays the younger uh, Diana in the coming season of The Crown. Uh, uh, dude, that's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. She will probably not be entirely gold in the crown. That's mm, my guess. She'll be gold in my heart. Yeah, she sure will. Subscribers to Apple TV Plus can now add both commercial-free CBS All Access and Showtime for $9.99 a month, which is something you should do immediately if you're paying for any of those, because Showtime alone costs $10.99 a month, and CBS All Access is $5.99 with commercials, but they're giving you the commercial-free version, which is usually $9.99. Uh, and if you're wondering what CBS All Access will be called in the future, will it continue to be called this? No, they've said they're going to change the name, and now the Financial Times has sources that say the leading contender, they haven't decided yet, but the leading contender for the new name of CBS All Access will be Paramount Plus, which is already a name they own for their international streaming. A medium on that, but uh, but 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 it is wild to watch everything sort of you know like um, uh, ast astronomically co collapse into you know these uh, the 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 three body problem. You know, it's definitely tempting to say, well, we already own this name. Let's just use it, right? Yeah. Paramount Plus is a streaming service internationally. We'll make CBS All Access be a version of that. Uh, that's even better. I get it. I don't know how many people see the name Paramount and think, oh yeah, that's going to have a lot of cool content. Um, Versus CBS, right? No. Which feels but, but like you make sound old, but. feels and sounds cheap. Paramount feels and sounds like an Indiana Jones movie. Because it's got a big mountain. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. I think that's what they're right. going for. So, so yeah. I, I, I think they're all right. And another bundle news. Subscribers to Verizon's uh, Play More and Get More Unlimited Wireless Plan will now get Hulu and ESPN Plus for free in addition to Disney Plus and Apple Music. This is definitely uh, a trend that's going to last for a while is, is these bundles, not just for wireless, but I think for some of your wired carriers too. I, I think Verizon's doing this on their wired, on their fiber plans as well with, in some fashion uh, where they're just going to bundle in these, these streaming services and then cities in Indiana will tax them. For doing yeah. It. Yeah. We've seen the future and it is us. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Dude, Tom. We got like four or five emails, all of them chiming in on how people felt about uh, Mulan being on Disney+. Plus. Uh, uh, some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. I just picked one email to represent the whole story. All right. This is from Gregory, who said, I am quite unsure <laughs> of seeing Mulan if you have taken the dragon and therefore most of the humor out of it. But if this was Black Widow, then I think the demand would be much higher. And I would pay $30 just for myself. 
I mean, that's pretty much the spread of everything. Like, not one person said, hooray, this is perfect as is. Every single person said, like, they treated it like a Rorschach chat test. And they were like, I wish it was like blank. And so, mm-hmm. agreed. I mean, All of you the, wish it could be some other way. <laughs> here's the thing, right? Aladdin, live action, uh, critically, not panned, but meh. Uh, and a lot of people in our audience were like, why would anyone want to see that? Made more than $200 million. So if it starts with, I'm not that interested in seeing live action Mulan, well, then I don't think Disney Plus was counting on your $30 anyway, right? Well, also... Um, this is The question is pertinent for the person who was like, I was ready to go to the theater to see live action Mulan. I was very excited about it. Now, dot, dot, dot. Keep in mind that... that- Disney, in a time before we were even born, built their empire on taking stories that came before they were born and telling them in fresh, new, interesting ways. So this is a fresh, new, interesting way to tell a story that they've already told before and, and, and also keep uh, you know the copyrights fresh and all that. Well, but that's, that's answering the question of, is the of live action Mulan worth yeah. doing? I'm trying to ask the question of, Okay, let's move on from that and say, of the people who the answer was yes, I want to see that, how, how is this going to change that? Is, are there going to be people who would have seen it before who won't want to pay the $30? Are there people who are like, I'm kind of interested, but I don't want to see it in the theater that will now be like, absolutely. This is, I, I don't think this is going to change people's opinions on live action Mulan. I've got the answer. 24 yeah. episodes of behind the scenes of how they made live action Mulan. See? Well, okay, but can you have all of the production crew and actors pat themselves kind of, on the back about how yeah, great they pat, were? Pat themselves on the back while sort of obliquely criticizing. Yes. And also, uh, and, and, and maybe, maybe actual Mulan, you know, pull out her corpse from however long ago and just say like, <laughs> here's actual Milan. Anyway. Yeah. We found it. her. Thanks yeah. China. <laughs> All right. Uh, well that is it for this episode of cord killers. Uh, keep the feedback coming. We appreciate it. Cordkillers at gmail.com. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Also carried on DiamondClub.tv Mondays at 7 PM Eastern, 4 PM Pacific. We'll see you again next time. Love you. Hey, Tom Merritt. Yes, Brian Brushwood. Know who I love even more than my own children? Your other children? No, not my wife. I know what you're saying. I love our $5 patrons. These are the people that keep us live and independent. Thank you so much, $5 patrons. You know what? I love them more than not life itself, because then I'd be dead and I couldn't appreciate them, but really, really, really close. And I'm so thankful that they are here to make this show happen. Thank you so much to all of our $5 a month patrons. You guys are wizards. You're champions. You're heroes. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)